This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. All right, everybody, we have a very special guest with us uh, today. We have Brother Mel Calhoun, a prior uh, president of the Northeast uh, Christian College and an incredible speaker and man of God. And uh, he's got an incredible ministry. And I, I'd like him to tell us just a little bit about himself. Uh, so, Brother Calhoun, first of all, it's great to have you here with us on Apostolic Theory. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to it ever since you and I talked about it a few weeks ago. <laughs> Why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your ministry up till this point, and uh, maybe what you're doing now. Well, uh, my ministry has uh, really, in 1980, January the 20th, 1980, my wife and I, I came to God. We had, we've been in church as, as young people, but then as teenagers, we drifted away. And then in uh, 1980, we came back to God and uh, in Mon- New Brunswick. And I'll never forget that Sunday night, God delivered me from addictions and and uh, within, filled me with a spirit within months. Within months, I was youth pastor of the church. I was leading services. I think it was like July or August I became youth pastor. Before that, I started helping our pastor lead service. Uh, while I was there, I served under two pastors as, as, as youth pastors and then as youth pastor. And uh, then in 1984, we sold everything we had. I, I had a, a new home. We had a new home, and, and life was pretty good to us. My wife had a great career. I had a great career in the transportation industry, and uh, my wife and I felt that we were called to ministry, and and so we left Moncton, sold everything we had, went to Bible college, and then while I was still in Bible college in 90, the winter of 1985, we started uh, pastoring a small little church in, in Bathurst of Brunswick. 11 people counting our family when we went there. And uh, it was in a mobile chapel. It was 14 foot wide, much like a mobile home setting. And uh, it was built to move to different places. And we were there five and a half years. We built a new building and God uh, gave us a, a, a revival, a major revival. And uh, we left there in 1990 and we moved to Maine. Great, amazing state of Maine. And we passed it to Marcel, Maine for for six years, and then God brought us back to Canada and to Harvey Station. We passed there for nine or for ten years, and uh, then we went to the Bible College in 2006 as president of the college. And uh, never really had a desire to be an educator. Uh, I have a passion for missions and a passion for lost souls, and we absolutely love the pastoral ministry. But God had a call for us and had a reason for it, and away we uh, we went and. And then in August, after 15 years at the Bible College, uh, we retired from that, not retired from ministry. And now we travel and preach and, and do things like this. And then we do we do a fair amount of leadership uh, stuff and then evangelizing. And then in March of 2022, we're going to Europe for further replacement for missionary there. And we're going to do that. We'll be there for a few months and then back again and continue at it. See where it goes. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's an honor to have you here with us on Apostolic Theory. I'm really looking forward to the content that you have, have prepared and looking forward to the lives that it will bless. And uh, you, you, you mentioned that you know, your 
you talk about leadership, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So really excited about it. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it right over to you and have you hop into whatever it is you've prepared, sir. Okay. Before we start, could this, let's have a word of prayer. Could we? Absolutely. Jesus, we love you tonight, and we're thankful for this opportunity again to Hallelujah. Uh, open your word and look into it for just a little bit. Uh, we admire you, Lord, and we love you so very, Praise very much. God. And we ask you tonight, Lord, that you would reach into this this Zoom meeting. God, that you would touch our heart and touch our spirit. We ask, God, that you be near us, minister. Anoint us, Lord, to help someone, touch someone, give a word of encouragement, challenge someone, Lord, to be better yes, for you. Yes, Jesus. We love you and we'll thank you for it. And again, Jesus, we thank you for using us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. All right, uh, I'm gonna Amen. I'm gonna do a little PowerPoint, um, but uh, as I start that, let's see where we're at. Uh, see, this will this works there. Okay, I think that works there. You can see the PowerPoint there, can you? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, let me go up here and uh, start from the beginning there. Okay, otherwise I'll have. Two things on the go. Uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight for a few minutes, and I won't be a long time. Uh, I felt like God had dropped this into my spirit, but uh, what happened is I, I have I've never I've never taught this before, and part of it is what probably what God's dealing with me on. I found that most of the time your ministry, uh, God's deal what God's dealing with you with is what you can uh, ministers to you can help minister to someone else. Before I start, I, I, I'm noticing on there, I'm trying not to look at myself, but uh, about a year ago, I had an operation on my eyes, my cataract, I had cataract surgery, and ever since then, I've had a problem. It looks like my eyes are kind of half closed or three quarter closed when they're not, and uh, I'm doing exercises to try to do it. So anyone that watches this, if it looks like I'm, my eyes are closed, I'm not, honest, I'm <laughs> see what I'm doing, but that's just part of where I'm at. Uh, what I want to talk tonight about uh, is just the principles for anyone, not only in leadership, but especially for leadership, but anyone that in there's working in the kingdom, anyone involved in the kingdom at all. And I guess I would just like to, to study, uh, title it is, Who Are You? It's a simple little little, little thing. And, uh, and uh, uh, so this is 2 Timothy 2.15. It, it tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15. And then this one here has become very important to me. I, I, this afternoon I thought maybe I should put four or five of these in Ephesians 4, but I stopped with this one. Ephesians 4 and 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation whereunto wherewith ye are called. And I'm a grace preacher, I'm a, I'm a mercy preacher, but so many times we talk about the grace and the mercy of God, and, and, and as a Christian, and, and then especially as we go into leadership and in a ministry position, uh, and God gives us a, a calling on our lives, he gives us a calling, but then we are, I'm going to say we are, we're mandated by eternity to, to walk worthy of that calling. Yeah. So if God calls you to be a ministry, minister, uh, no, if you're working 70 hours a week uh, and you're still have to, someone has to pastor a church or, or working 70 hours a week or 60 hours a week and they get a family and they, they're youth pastor or something like that, 
I understand and God understands there's only so much you can do in a day. So someone that's working at a full-time job, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever it may be, and, and then on top of that, uh, they've got a family or they've got other things that they, they're involved in, and then, then they have a position in ministry to fulfill too. There's no way possible that person can do the studying like someone that is full-time in the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, yeah. So, so I'm not talking about that, but even at that, uh, even with that, uh, I think the biggest danger that we have is going to a pulpit on Sunday and just saying, oh, uh, uh, God's going to take care of it. We're going to be there and, and so on and so forth. We need to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Right now in my ministry, my wife and our ministry, uh, we're, we're going into a different era, a different area of ministry, still doing traveling like we've done for many years, and but also involved with missions and then, then other aspects of it. And so what happens is, is that God's been dealing with me uh, because of certain prophetic words that's been spoken in my life and that, that I have a responsibility before God to, to walk worthy of that, of the vocation wherewith I'm called. God could call you to a prophetic ministry or he could call you to, uh, to a teaching ministry or he could call you to an evangelistic ministry or whatever, whatever it may be. And, and you, you don't, if you don't walk worthy of that, then, and that's not just only in holiness, even though it includes that, but I'm talking about your everyday life, your relationship with God, and we'll get into that. Then this one here, I just get into today. Um, this is this is New Living Translation, and uh, wow, uh, I read this today, and I've read Romans hundreds of times. It's really one of my favorite books, and I don't remember ever noticing this before. And Paul writing to the church at Rome, and specifically. A lot of other was to the Jews at Rome, and he said, "For the name of God is blasphemed through among the Gentiles because of you." And that one right there may be King James. Uh, New International says, "As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you." And we have seen that. Even in the day we live in, how that some great um, ministers, pastors, musicians, gospel musicians, and things, where they have fell to such such low, just in uh, my, you know, your country in the U.S. is, and one of my favorite places in the world. It's just this last week, there was a, a man that was that was charged and convicted, and uh, his family is devastated, the church is devastated, everything because of this uh, gross sin that he had in his life. And, and so I don't want my lifestyle, the lifestyle that I live, I don't want it to be that the, that the church, that someone in the world will say, God's not real, that's not powerful, that's all baloney because kill him messed up because of the way he lives. When they look at me, when, when I live for God and walk with God, when the people around the world and around me, when they interact with me and I have relations with them, there needs to be something that comes through from me that they would say there's something about that guy that's different. Yeah, and that's just kind of where I'm at. So what I'm talking about tonight is is uh, who are you? And uh, so and I don't even know it's a good title, but number one thing is being honest with yourself about yourself. Now I I, I can tell you all kinds of problems about my wife. 
I could tell you something. Brother Woodward and Brother Carter and, and Brother Stu. I could just get down to the list and I could tell you things there. But am I willing to be honest with myself about myself? And so I would say my consecration to God. Uh, how much do I pray? Do I pray? Do I show the hallelujah at church when my pastor teaches on prayer or holiness and then in my own life I don't have it? So yeah. if you're going to be involved in leadership, the first thing you have to be is honest with yourself, about yourself. And an old-time minister, Canadian, died a number of years ago now. I, I was at a meeting, special meeting somewhere where he was preaching and uh, he made this statement. He said, if you're wondering how you should live, ask your neighbor. Your neighbor knows you're, you're Pentecostal. Your neighbor knows you're apostolic. Your neighbor knows you. Ask them how you should live, and they will tell you. And in today's world, I have to be careful because I'll get into preaching here, but today's world, I, I don't understand for the life of me how an apostolic, and I, I talk to Bible college students and preachers about this all the time, how an apostolic that loves God and says that they're called for God and they want to be used through God, I don't understand how in the world that person can watch X-rated movies. I don't understand how they can read books that take the name of my Lord in vain. Mm. I don't understand how they can read, uh, or like can watch movies that's full of curses where right? I'm not talking about watching a movie, a wholesome movie. I'm talking about what we ingest into our being and what we, we do. If I talk to my neighbor, and, 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 and if I had that on in, in my in my home and my neighbor came in, they would they would wonder what in the world was going on. But I know people, Christians, when I say quote unquote Christians, that that they're they're what they read, what they watch, what they talk about, their conversations uh, amongst themselves, it sure doesn't bring glory to the God that mm. I serve. I, I use an illustration, I've used it often about my wife. Anyone that knows me at all knows that Pam and I have been married for, was 44 years last March. This March come No, pardon me. Be careful. I'm going to be in trouble. It was, yeah, last last uh, last March. And, and what happens with it, oh, maybe I'm in trouble. Anyway, we have married in 1974. You, you, you add that up. And uh, so what happens with this, uh, like I love Pam with a passion. I'm more in love with her now than I was when I get married. But if, if I went into some place, one of our friends, and, and they said to me, uh, well, man, what's, what's wrong with Pam? And I said, what's the book? Man, she was over here. She was talking so bad about you. And, and I nah, go on. And, and, and then I went in somewhere else a few days later, and they said, wow, what's going on with Pam? And, you know, and, and if Pam, my wife, outside with other people around, if she was putting me down and telling me how miserable I am and, 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 and damning me and everything else, it wouldn't be very long that that relationship that we have would be severed, be pulled apart. And, uh, and so uh, to me what happens, my relationship with God is even more important than that. And so I don't need to be involved in conversations that damn my God. And so my, my, my consecration to myself, my prayer, my, my, my study, my personal walk with God, how is my prayer life? And so if I can be honest, honest with myself about myself is a major, major step if I'm going to be involved in leadership. And, and B of that would be uh, submission, submission to your pastor. Uh, I guess I would say uh, to anyone uh, that says, who is your pastor? Who are you submitted to? Who is it that has authority over your life? 
and uh, we need to have be in submission. I'm 67 years of age. Um, I, I already minister with UPCI, and I've been president of the college. I've pastored three churches. I've traveled literally around the world preaching, and I, I thank God for the trust that our fellowship has put in, and then other organizations that I'm friends with, other apostolic groups. I, I preach for several of them, and, and I'm really happy and, and thankful for that. Uh, but but I also have a pastor. If my pastor was to call me tonight and tell me I want you in church such as a time, I'm, I'm saying yes to him. If there's something that I have a previous scheduled event, I will talk to him about it. And if he says, no, I want you there, then I, I will be there. And I just made up my mind uh, a number of years ago that I will have myself in total submission. My pastor, uh, my iPhone, and my, he never asked for them, but my laptop and my iPad, he knows. I have sat and talked with him, and he knows that, that uh, both, really both of them, Brother Woodward and Brother Lehman, knows that they can ask me for the, them, they can ask me for my passwords, and I will share whatever it is with them. My wife has all my passwords anyway, but I would share it with them because I made up my mind I'm going to be in submission to my pastor. But not only submission to my pastor, to other leaders over me, um, whether it's in the workforce, uh, if I'm a Sunday school teacher and there's a Sunday school superintendent, as a, as a licensed minister or the minister for the UPC for the Carter, Brent Carter's or district superintendent, if I'm preaching in Maine, Brother Stoops is my superintendent when I'm there, if I'm preaching for Brother Heath, if I'm preaching for Brother Heath while I'm there, he's my pastor when I'm there. I'm in submission to him when I'm there, and uh, or, or wherever it may be. Uh, so to me, the leaders over us have to be in submission to it, and that is uh, really one of the main important things that I know of in anyone's walk with God. And then, uh, number two, honest with yourself about your situation. And there it is. I just lost this. But honest with yourself about your situation, uh, where you're at. Understanding where you are with demographics. Let me give you, and, and this is probably outside of most people or a lot of people that will watch this, but uh, my brother Alan is a missionary in the Netherlands. He's a Canadian. He pastored in New Brunswick, which is a rural area. He pastored in, in Ontario, much more of a, of a metro area, Barry, which is like 40 minutes from Toronto. And, and now he's a missionary in the Netherlands and pastors in a city, Dordrecht. I don't know exactly how many tens of hundreds of thousands of people are there, but it's a fairly big city. And pastor in there, he has a, he's, he's our missionary in the Netherlands. But you take my brother, Alan, when God called him, to the Netherlands, uh, God didn't call him to the Netherlands to make those people Canadians. He didn't do it. So you have to find your situation, you have to find where you're at in life, where you're at in ministry. If you're, if someone is 40 years of age and their pastor asks them to be youth pastor, and that works really good a lot of the times, their pastor asks them to be to be youth pastor, or you can't expect that 15-year-old or that 16-year-old or that 13-year-old to have the same uh, likes and passions and games and maybe even style of music that you do. So where is it? Uh, you know, um, in Maine, I pastored in Mars Hill and up in the county. Maine, you just say the county. There's lots of counties. Someone say, where are you from? From the county. Everyone knows that's a Worcester County. Aroostook County is a very rural area, uh, you know, very like farm country. You go into Portland, it's totally different. 
yeah. in the Portland area. So, so you have to understand where you're at and understand what your purpose is, understand your situation where you are at. Another thing with that is that you can't be in, in leadership. And, and let me clarify, if someone at 40 years of age is a youth pastor, they're not going to want to hang out every night with a 13-year-old or they got a problem. Because they probably got a 15-year-old or 16-year-old in the youth group. But but what happens with it, if if, if someone is, is 40 years old and they're, and, and, and they're a youth pastor, then what they have to understand with those those youth people that they're working with, they can't make them into 40-year-olds. It takes a long time. It took me a long time to get where I'm at. When I look back, it doesn't seem like it, but sometimes the journey seemed like it was a long time. So so the, the, the demographics to the people where you're at and, and uh, you take even multicultural areas, uh, there's differences. Uh, just be honest with yourself. Uh, and then the location where you're at, your mission, what you're doing there, and then also your, your the age where you're at, the type of music you like, um, so on and so forth. Uh, if you pastor in a in a rural area in, in in America or in Canada, rural area, you're probably the most of the people is going to like a southern gospel or a country style of music. And you go into a heartland, you go into a metro area, they may not like that at all. They may may like more contemporary stuff. So if I'm a bluegrass and and I kind of and I I like really classical is my favorite but if I'm a bluegrass guy and, and I go into downtown Boston to to uh, pastor a church and, and I want all the music to be bluegrass it probably won't go good so if you're going to be a leader you have to be honest with where you're at yeah honest with yourself about your situation where you're at and work with the people you're with and, and I like how things come around my our daughter Palma Palma is a she never she she hates country music. Uh, she hates southern gospel music. Uh, she hates uh, she hates anything anything with a, a bluegrass. She she can't she despises that. She can't stand it. And she used to get mad at me and and and, uh, and she go on and her and I have this amazing relationship and we can argue back and forth and I we brought her up to have an opinion and and so she said to me uh, one day she said Dad. Uh, the country music, all it is, and she was just talking about the whole gender of country music. She said, "All it is, it's a, it's it's just a, as the old age old thing. It's it's a, it's it's just twanging and it's a pickup truck and it's sex and beer." And, and and she said, "That's all it is." And I said, "Oh, okay. So then, tell me what rock music is." And and she kind of looked at me and I said, well, "Tell me what rock music is." I said, "The only difference with rock music, they they take the beer and and they put drugs in it and they take." The pickup truck for fast cars. There's really not much different with it. She got looking at it. She said, "Wow, I never thought of that, but you're you're right because they, whatever group you're at." But anyway, she hates that in, in church. In church, she loves she loves contemporary music. She loves praise and worship music, and she absolutely loves traditional. Uh, she she loves Amazing Grace. She loves Washed in the Blood. She loves that. And and her age, she's in the forty area. She her age that seems to be where at. But but the neat thing is, she has a seventeen year old daughter. Her name is Kelly, and Kelly can't stand contemporary. Kelly, her favorite musicians, her favorite gospel singers, is, is Jason Crabb, the Crabb family. He's, 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 and, and she goes, "Will you turn that racket off?" You know, she goes, and, and to me, it's comical how it goes. So, I guess what I'm saying is, you have to be honest. If you're going to be in leadership, you can't always have your own way. Mm. You you have. 
on the new birth, the oneness of God, separating land. There's things that we're never going to change. But right. you have to be very honest with yourself about where you're at and, uh, and the, the people you're dealing with, so on and so forth with that. Then, number three, your character mm-hmm. versus your reputation. And with any one of these, I could spend an hour on any one of them pretty easy. For example, uh, well, I was just introduced. I'm saying, who was that? Who am that guy? You know, preacher, speechers. And, and I have a reputation. I, brother, he, I, go there, I go there every year, a lot of times twice a year. I go to Brother David Wilhoyts. I go to the Stoops. I go to Brother Larry Royces. I go to Mike Cox's. I go I got, I got, a, I got more friends in Maine than I have anywhere. And, but I go to a lot of places, and, and I preach. And, and I have a reputation. And they know when I go that I'm not going to, I'm not going to offend the pastor. Uh, I'm not going to say, I may say something stupid, but it just be, it won't be because I'm trying to, you know, tear anything down. But they know that, uh, they know that uh, I will lift the pastor up. I will lift the church up. And, and I've had so many people tell me when, when you come to our church and when you leave, we feel better about ourselves. And, and I have one guy that passes a church of 500 people. And he said, Mel, when you come, when you preach, when you're done, you're 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 an encourager. You you lift people up, and I just and I thank God for that. So that's my reputation. However, is that my character? Mm. And it's one thing for me to be known at Brother Soup's church or at Brother Heath's church or Brother Wilboy's church is, is is one thing. But what about my wife? What about my daughter? What about my granddaughters? What about my close friends? What about those that are, that are close to me? Uh, what's my character like with them? How do they look? How do they look at me? Uh, uh, so if, if I want, so if I'm in a church and I want the pastor to, to let me be involved in leadership, and I feel that leadership is part of my life, I have to understand that it's not just my reputation, it's not just what I'm good at, but but what in the world is my what am I like inside? What's my character like? And and, and reality is is just it's a I see a lot of people that. That they have some major character uh, weaknesses that need to be taken care of. Many people are taking care of them, and uh, but our character versus our reputation to me is a very, very, very important thing. Mm-hmm. What does Pam? What does my wife think? Uh, I'll never forget one preacher way back when I were I was still in Moncton. We had a preacher come to preach. His family was with him when they came, and he preached on hell. And when he preached on hell, the conviction was so heavy. And his family were some of the first ones in the altar. And, and I left there that night, and I and some of us went out to eat afterwards, after it was all over. We had a powerful service. We went out to eat, and I said, you know what? When a man's relationship with his family is such that he can minister, and his family will come to the altar, his family will, to me, that is a major, 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 major uh, uh, step. And, and so that's part of it there. Uh, your character versus your reputation is not enough to be known as president of the college. What does God know me as? What does the people that work with me know me as? Uh, what does those people that's the closest to me, what do they know me? What do they know me as? And uh, and so to me, if I, if all of my life, I have two quotes in my Bible. I don't know whether some of you may have heard this before, uh, but one quote that I have that's stuck with me that I don't even know where I got them, so I don't know if it's a, if it's something that I come up with or if I got it from a book back in the, before you guys were born. Uh, 
But one quote is, I dare not fail, for there are those who trust me. Mm. And the other quote is, I've got so far to go that I can't be proud of how far I've come. Mm. And so part of my ministry has always been that I've got people that trust me. If I'm tempted to do something wrong, what's that going to do to the church? If I go out and mess up, what's that going to do to my wife? What's it going to do to my, my, my daughter or my granddaughters? What's it going to do to my family? Four of my siblings, three of my siblings are involved in ministry right now, and, and I, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And But, but uh, one of the reasons, and I'm not taking credit for it, my mom was a 5 o'clock in the morning prayer warrior, but one of the reasons was is that when I was younger, I was started down that road, and they, and they followed me and came down that road. And so to me, what happens with it, what would happen to my family? What would happen to my brothers and my sister if some, if I was to do something stupid? People's got trust in me, and I dare not fail. Uh, one of the main reasons for that. And uh, then, uh, talents and abilities or anointing. And this is my last one. Am I going to rely on talent? Am I going to rely on abilities? Mm. Or am I going to rely on anointing? When I pastored in Maine back in the early 90s, probably 94, 1994, somewhere in that area, maybe 90, I think probably 93, 94, uh, we had a, a preacher from uh, another part of the world, a national preacher from one of our mission fields. He was a superintendent that came, and, and I had him for I had him for rallies in Maine and New Brunswick. And he's a powerful preacher. And we're driving along in the car one night, and, and leadership has kind of been part of my heartbeat. And one of the reasons is, is in my secular life, I was involved in management and, and took leadership courses before leadership was really popular in the church. And we were driving along in my car one night, and one Sunday after church on our way to the motel. And, and he reached over and put his hand on my, on my hand. And my hand was on the steering wheel of the car, I'll never forget he reached over for his hand in mine and he said, Pastor, the difference between America, and he said where he was from, the difference between America and us, he said, in America, and he wasn't talking about U.S., he was, U.S. calls America America, but the rest of the world calls all of North America, and he was talking about the Western, our Western world. He said, well, the difference between you folks and us is this. He said, you guys look for talent and ability, and out of that, you draw leaders. He said, we don't do that. No, he said, we want talent and abilities, but we go to prayer. And in prayer, God directs us of who to get to put in that position. Mm. He said, we put them in that position. He said, let me give you an example. He said, there may be a person that is not a really good singer or not a really good musician in your church, and there could be someone that has all kinds of music ability. And in the natural, you would say, I'm going to use the one with musical ability, with the talent, with the ability that can play the instrument, do all of that. But said, but that one may be totally rebellious and not be submissive at all in your in your walk with, you know, in it. And they may fight you in everything you do. When that one, that one that, that, that maybe they're not the best singer or the best musician, they will go to prayer and they're submitted and they'll go to prayer. And when they go to the pulpit to lead your worship, they'll have a word from God. The song they sing will be a song that God impressed on them. It won't be the most popular song of the day. And, and, and I'll never forget him telling me that. It, it probably changed my probably changed my life. But but what he what he, one of the neatest things about it 
And I've come to understand in the last number of years, what he was saying was right. And, and what we do is partially is, is right. There's a medium. Why can't we have talent and have abilities and have anointing too? Mm. But why can't we have men and women, young, middle-aged and older, that are, that, are, that are skilled? David was skilled. Why can't we have people that study and they become skilled at what they do and what they can do, but they're also submissive and they're and they're they're good at what they do, and they have a walk with God. And to me, that's the ultimate thing. So if God's calling me to a leadership position, and one of the scriptures I started with, walk worthy. So no one asked me to, you notice what I'm at, Brother Heath? They never asked me to sing. You know why? Because it would be a mess if I did. It'd be comedy hour. So they don't ask me to sing that because I can't sing. However, I'm not, a, I'm not embarrassed with that. Uh, or upset with that at all. I don't think I should be. But if someone has the ability and they have talent and they, they have the ability, maybe they have the ability to, to become skilled at it, but they're not there yet, then what happens if they're asked or they're invited to fill that certain role, then you have a responsibility before God to go to God in prayer, to go to the, if there's someone playing keyboard, to go to the keyboard, to be a youth pastor, go get the best youth books you can, and get into a study and work at it with the ability we need to have we have a responsibility to make sure that we do the best that we can do and and to be what god wants to be so my question tonight is who are you anyway are, are you the best you can be are mm. you trying to be someone else are you the best you can be or what is it you're really trying to be or are you just kind of drifting along let it go so if you want to be involved in leadership number one priority okay consecration Get yourself where you need to be with God before anything else. And that's where, 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 where it's at. Then be honest with yourself about your situation, what you're doing. You can't teach, you can't teach a primary class in Sunday school or a beginner class in Sunday school the same as youth. And you can't teach, teach the youth the same as you can the junior. And, and, and young people in, in today's society, they, they, they go to school, they go to the public school system, wherever it's homeschool, and they're taught through their educational, educational process to ask questions. And then they came into the church, and, and they came into where we're at. They go into the youth group, and if they ask a question, they're rebellious. doesn't mean they're rebellious. They have a right to have an answer. So if you become a youth pastor, then become a youth pastor. You need to understand that those kids are going to have questions, and you need to get the answer. And there's nothing wrong. They respect you if you say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. Let me go get it. And so be honest with yourself about where you're at, character versus reputation, and your talent and abilities uh, versus your anointing. And my question is, why not have both of them? Wow. Right? Let's pray again. Jesus, we love you. We thank you today, Lord, for your love and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for all that will watch this, listen to it. God, and I pray that somehow that there'll be something inside of it, Lord, something I've said tonight. God, and just kind of a rough way tonight, nothing special. Uh, but God, I pray, God, that you would touch and minister. And God, draw someone closer to you and help us, God, as people of God, or to walk worthy of the vocation where we're called and do what you want us to do. And we'll love you and thank you. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I believe that this session, it's going to have such, such an impact on, on the listeners and the subscribers to the, to the podcast. One thing I really like 
and and I, I want to sort of highlight this is that you said with ability comes responsibility and and I think and I've seen it I've seen it where the people that are on the platform whether it's the preachers the youth pastors the musicians the singers and and it's almost like they take that position for granted and I just I just like how you you address that you were very pointed and you used scripture to back up why it's so necessary for us to build on our relationship with God because here's the thing and I'm a firm believer that if we're not going forward we're not standing still there's no such thing as right. you know, stagnant water it will stay there but it there's still a flow to it it just doesn't escape that place where it is and so we're always moving, but we should be moving forward. Should be moving forward. Amen. And, and, and what happens with it is in is in is in leadership, and, and then the more senior you get in your leadership positions, and and people will if you if you excel at one area, God will take you to another level. Yeah. And and what happens with it is the the more the higher you go then the more you have the ability to make your own schedule and set your own goals. And uh, like, for example, in a, in, a, in a church, if someone's a Sunday school teacher and, and the pastor says, if you're not here in Permian, you can't teach Sunday school. Well, you've got some guidelines. Or if, if you go here, you can't, you go there. But all of a sudden you go and start a whole missions church. And, and you don't have the pastor saying, you have to, if you're not here in Permian, you can't preach tomorrow because you are the pastor mm. and, and at every stage of life and I find where I'm at right now as, as kind of in a semi-retired I don't have to go to the office every day and my life has always been a five o'clock I shouldn't say always but for many years been a five o'clock in the morning guy and uh, and, and and you know I get up do my prayer do my exercise and, and my, my, prayer, my Bible reading and, and, and go and then I have certain times to like I, I have to, I'm one of those guys that periodically I need to have a three-hour permit. So like, and so here I am. We sold our home. We moved into a, uh, we bought a mini home, and, and we did it for a reason because we did it for our ministry. Because what we're going to do, what we want to do, we want to be able to lock the door and go away and not be worried about it. And so what happens with us is, is that now we're we're here, and if so, I don't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning anymore. So I I don't like this morning. It was like around six o'clock when I get up. And, but so, but what happens, I, I, there's no, no, I would never had God say you have to get up at five, but to, in order to be to the school by, by seven, seven thirty, I had to get up at five and, and, and to, to get my prayer time in and, and then go to the school because I like to have some prayer with the students before. Well, well now I don't have, so if I don't pray, <laughs> you know, who's going to know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who's yeah. going to know? Well, Jesus knows. Yeah. My wife will know. Now, next time I preach for Brother Heath, you'll know. <laughs> you know, but, but reality, I can go through life mm. and for uh, some time just on reputation, just on, but sooner or later it will catch up with me spiritually. Wow. And, and so that's, it's kind of been a, uh, kind of been a passion of mine to, to make sure that I, that I, that I do that. I don't always, do it right. I make lots of mistakes. And uh, many times I'll, it won't happen. But when it does, 
I'm not afraid to say I messed up. Yeah. And, and, and then what will happen with it, then I'll get up and start tomorrow all back over again. So, anyway, yeah. Transparency and consistency. Praise God. Yeah. Well, Brother Calhoun, we are so thankful that, again, that you joined us. It's, it's an honor, and, and we're thankful. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.